What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and today you're in for a real treat. We've got Steve McCoy from Small Circle talking to us about relationships. Every time I hear Steve speak, I walk away with something I didn't know before. So I hope that you will get a lot out of this episode today. The next four episodes actually feature Small Circle, so if you want to stay in the know for when I release those, hit the subscribe button now. Today's episode is all about connection. All of us are engineered to experience closeness, and Jesus demonstrated that disciple-making takes place in all kinds of settings, large groups, smaller groups, and the one-to-one group. And it's actually this last category that often gets left out in disciple-making. So Steve is focusing on the necessity, the power, and the strategy of including the one-to-one level in disciple-making. Let's jump into this session and hear what Steve has to say. Well, let me go ahead and get started at 2.15. I'm going to honor your time. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Steve McCoy. Uh, I'm a pastor in uh, Sarasota, Florida. We've had a little action down there uh, yeah, recently. Yeah, it's been, yeah, been, been crazy. Come on in, man. Thank you. Um, and, I, and I appreciate you coming. I know there's always a zillion choices to make at a conference. It's a little bit frustrating to a degree. Uh, and I know you're going to have so much information uh, coming at you. So I'm going to add to that dilemma. And so um, let me pray with you. And then we're going to we'll jump right in. We'll have a full hour here uh, for sure. Thank you, Father, for this time to kind of just get away from the rhythm that we always face. And thank you for these pastors and leaders and Christ followers, and we're trying just to absorb and to connect God with your unique voice. And so just pray for clarity here in this hour. We um, lay ourselves down, God, at the cross today. We ask that you find our hearts surrendered and our minds surrendered and uncluttered. Would you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you just clear our mind, help us to hear from you? And uh, we got so much information we're filtering. So, Father, we give ourselves to you. And we thank you, God, as we begin for the amazing way that you've created us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I find this particular content today fascinating. Uh, why? Because I'm saying it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I find this, this fascinating because we're going to talk about how God has created us. And I want to I just kind of jump in. I'm going to uh, be super honest, um, but respectful at the same time. Okay, so let me just begin by kind of diagramming. I hope everybody can see this. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, yeah, it's not that important anyway. No, it's okay. okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll occasionally do this. I'm gonna. We talk. We we think in terms of circles and and our relational uh, settings. Jesus had them. We have them. And so I'm gonna refer to the big circle as a, a gathering. So we call them worship services. Jesus spoke to the crowds. And so, you know, we have that in common. I'm going to refer to the mid-sized circle as groups of some kind. Jesus had 12. We have home groups, Bible studies, etc. When I've traveled the world, been to a lot of different places, I always say, hey, show of hands, is this the operating system that you're working under? This is what we learned, and there's nothing wrong with this. We see this, in, obviously, in the ministry of Jesus. So nothing, nothing wrong with this. Um, I... I'm going to propose to you that there's 
a, an additional circle, not an instead of circle. That's our, that's our conversation. And not just in theory, not just in process, but perhaps the way that God has created us and our real need for, for that. I think this has impact on us in our church world, but I think it has impact as we're going to see in the world around us, in our culture, and what is so desperately needed. We're going to look at the, the prayer that Jesus had in John 17 and what he prayed for in that prayer. Very, very revealing. So we begin uh, by looking at how God created us. So we, we are created in this our image, right? Let us make man in our image. We know that that's the Trinitarian image, right? But that image is very intimate. So we are created in a very intimate image. So a relational image. So this is why when Jesus was questioned, hey, give us the two greatest commands or the greatest command in the Old Testament. He goes, well, I'll give you two. Both of them were an our answer, right? We are created to, to love people and to love God. When Jesus prayed in the Garden uh, of Gethsemane in John 17, he prayed, Father, I pray there'll be one just as you and I are one. Same deal. So it's obvious that relationships are important. Our session today is, okay, what kind of relationships? Because as we just heard in the main session, we can use words and we kind of begin to water those words down to a place that we actually begin to have a redefinition of maybe what was intentionally, uh, you know, originally intended, okay? So um, there are some fascinating things. Uh, there's a guy standing there. Yeah. There's some fascinating things about the way that we've been created and the brains and how, how brains work, et cetera. Okay. So let me lay a few of those on you. I'm going to, I'm not much for, you know, uh, having slides and all that. So let's go Psalm 139. For you created that most inner private chamber. So our, our, the creator understands how this whole thing works. What we need, what we crave, what we're afraid of, what freaks us out, what we're like, well, that's too much. So, and there are two types of people in the world. There are extroverts and there are introverts. And we think different, we express different, but the church brings everybody together and we act as if we're all the same. And that's not, that's not the way. I'm just uh, finishing a book called The Other Half of Church. Has anybody ever read that book? Yeah, Other Half of Church. And it's just talking about, hey, we, we got to tap into the right brain. We're very left brain, very information, very analytical, very process, all good stuff. But God did create another side of the brain. My background, I came to Christ when I was studying to be a concert pianist. And uh, I say that because my right brain was quite, you know, nurtured along the years. And so I dig these kinds of conversations. So it's just, you know, without going through this psalm, which we know very well, I just want to highlight the fact that God created all the intricacies and the nuances and the whispers of the way we're wired, okay? So some fascinating things about uh, some of the ways that we're created. Here's, here's some things you want to take notes or take a picture, feel free to. Friendship is only documented in a few species, but it's universal in human beings. So you don't see, you know, uh, a couple, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, ants hanging out together, <laughs> you know, having lunch together. It's, it's, so the, the, the level of relationship is, is measured by the number of neurons in the prefrontal cortex. And so, for example, when you see dolphins, we see them all the time in Florida, and they're all tribing together, high level of neurons in the prefrontal cortex. When you see panthers who are kind of loners, low number of neurons in the, in the prefrontal cortex. And I know this is not a science class, but you look for patterns. Guess who is at the top of the whole food chain? We are. Then there's this thing called encephalization, which then takes this information about the neurons. And then, so, because you see a whale, and a whale has a high number of neurons, but the brain, compared to the size of the body, is way out of comparison, uh, 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 comparison to what our human brain is. So, in other words, encephalization is the size of the brain, and the size is relative to the body. Human beings, when you look at all the animals, and you look at human beings, 50% higher than the next person down. What are we seeing? What we're seeing is that science does not oppose the Bible, or the Bible doesn't oppose science. Science affirms the Bible. We are created in this relational image. So when you look at, for example, we, you know, in, in Florida we have manatees. You guys know what manatee? I never knew what one was until I moved to Florida. But manatees, they, they, all of a sudden you'll just see them and then you won't see them. And you're like, oh, there's a manatee, and then it's gone. And so, but it's pretty cool when you get to see one. I think sometimes we see these things in the scripture and they just come up a little bit and then they're gone. Let me give you what I mean by that. When we talk about the Trinity, we know the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but we see it surface once in a while. And so when we're created in this, let us make man in our image, we don't see that us in a lot of places. But when we see it, it's fascinating. John 1.18, no man has ever seen God except the only begotten, Jesus, who was in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. He has made him known. So what we're seeing is that Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. That's how close. So we're not just like, hey, you know, the Father and Son were kind of friendly. They were kind of casual, right? In our relationships in church, typically, and this is, this is around the world, I thought it was an American phenomenon until I saw the same thing in Africa and in the Middle East and Ukraine and Latin America and everywhere it went, same deal. Typically, our relationships are casual in the big circle, right? When we have a lot of people, it's pretty casual, right? Hey, where are you from? Good to see you. I like your shirt. Blah, blah. That's, that's how we are in the lobby on the church on Sunday morning. Then when we come to the, a group, we can become close. But I propose to you that Jesus had the crowd, he had the twelve, he had the three, Peter and James and John, but I propose to you that we often overlook the relationship that he had with John. And that relationship is what I'm going to propose to you, um, confidential. We need a confidant. We need a relationship. We need relationships in our lives. That, that replicate the image in which we are created. So we are, we are designed not just to be relational, but we're designed to be 
intimately relational. Now, let me tell you why we're scared to death of that. Some of you might be like, okay, a little too close, right? The reason is, is that when Adam sinned, the first thing he did was what? He hid. He hid from God, right? And he blamed his wife. (laughs) And so right from the beginning, it was the relationships that got their egg cracked, right? And so he hid from God, and we, in in our flesh, our old nature, are master hiders. So pride promotes our best self, and it protects our worst self. Dot, dot, dot. Therefore, Facebook, social media. It's the, it is the primo environment, the garden in which our pride grows, right? I have not seen yet on Facebook, hey, my wife, and here's a picture of me and my wife. We're having the worst argument of our lives right now. Just want to take a shot of that and share it with everybody. We just don't do that. So what happens, so let me, so we planted a church 15, 16 years ago. We have all three circles in our church. This is not an instead of, because I think that every circle provides something beautifully distinctive. Hard to have a worship service with two people. But here, the proclamation of the, you know, declaring the word of God, worshiping together, coming together, you know, So we would say, here's our expectation. You can be seen in this circle. When you come to this circle, you can be heard. But here is where you can be known. And I'm going to tell you, I'm proposing to you that what we just heard about in the main session of how how painful our culture is right now, it has a lot to do with this. Let me make a few proposals why I think that is. There are two scripture verses that I think are key. James 5.16 and Ephesians 4.15. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another so that you may be what? Healed. And that just not physical healing. It can certainly be. But I think there's a soul healing. Our nation's soul is broken. And so, so let me give you some more statistics. I, this is where it's fascinating. There's a guy named Robin Dunbar. He's a brilliant sociologist. He's, a, he's not a Christian. If you read his books, totally boring, but, you know, great facts. He is a dyed-in-the-world evolutionist. So I'm just giving you a disclaimer. Dyed-in-the-world evolutionist. But... Um, that doesn't mean evolutionists can't be brilliant. He's a brilliant thinker. You just have to, every time he says, isn't, isn't it brilliant with evolution? You just replace the word God and then you'll be fine by reading it, right? <laughs> so, he, but his, his study is fascinating. He would say that there are different circles. Like he even starts at 1500. We can have 15, uh, there, is an, there is a capacity for us as human beings. You can have 1500 acquaintances. But then he begins to get smaller and smaller and smaller to the number that really matters. So 150, he says, is the the number of people that you can know by first name, that you can kind of keep intact. That's That's the capacity. When you think about the American church scene, 80% of American churches are, guess what? 150 people or less. Because pastors are shepherd types. Most of them are. I don't always feel that I'm, a, I'm that 
that type and but many and so they feel like I gotta I gotta be connected to the whole deal. Well, you just reached your neurological limit unless you develop. You see, it's fascinating. So he does these things like if you'd still write Christmas cards, typically 68 families, which is 150 people, business offices, military planners, three platoons of 30 to 50, societies, historically, villages, blah, blah, blah. Just a lot of facts like, wow, there's that 150 number. There's a, you know, a village doesn't get more than 150. So there's a lot of that, that, that uh, 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 information. Okay? Species with the biggest brains relative to body size are precisely those that mate monogamously. Did you realize that only 5% of mammals mate monogamously? Sinners. Yes. <laughs> Dang those birds. <laughs> that is correct. All right. All right. Try to pronounce this. They call this TPJ, temporoparietal junction. This is the part of our brain. Watch this. James 5.16. God has designed us to be intimate, and yet Adam broke it, and now we're hiders, right? So there's a tension. There's part of us that really wants this table for two intimacy, and there's part of us that freaks out about it, like, whoa, not me. But I'm, we're going to do an exercise to say, how's that working for us here in a group-centric church culture. And again, nothing wrong with groups. I'm in a group. I'm in a men's group. Been in the same men's group for, you know, eight years, 10 to 12 guys. Love it. I don't lead it intentionally. Love it. But it is not going to give me that. And I know it. I like to hang a picture. Here's a screwdriver. Great tool. Nothing. This is not anti-screwdriver. Just can't hang a picture with it. <laughs> See? So you have to have expectations of what each of these circles can do. So the brain is activated when you can finally say to somebody, I think I'm addicted to pornography. The number of people in our churches that don't have a place to say that. So the soul of the church, the soul of the culture around us are, is broken. We go to big stadiums, we hang out, and we call that relational. We go to Applebee's on Friday night or wherever you go, and we call that relational. But there is this missing, and so we kind of we live in this world, and yet we're not quite to that design where God has wanted us to go, right? And so in that design, this is where we begin to experience a new level. I'm going to make a proposal to you. You make your mind up if you think it's, you know, if it's uh, uh, an accurate proposal. When you look at the ministry of Jesus and you observe his table for two conversations with people, what I mean by that, I'm not talking about the crowd scenes. I'm not talking about the group scenes. I'm talking about when he goes into Zacchaeus' house and the original language says that he descended on his house. That means he spent time there, probably spent the night. He descended on Zacchaeus' home and at a table for two, that man went in the house one man and came out a different one. That, those conversations with Martha, with Peter post-resurrection, with Nicodemus, with Zacchaeus, with Thomas, okay, go ahead and touch me. They were all customized to that person. Right. Big difference. Yeah. Big, big difference. And I'm proposing to you that we, 
that perhaps we see the greatest life change at those intersections rather than the crowd intersections or even the group intersections. Just a proposal. So it's interesting that God has created with oxytocin, our bonding hormones, which activate higher levels of trust, physical when we have sexual physical intimacy, when a woman gives birth, when a woman's breastfeeding, the brain kicks in to this bonding. So this, when we, I have a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old, two boys. We have talked to them about oxytocin. We've talked about them, uh, with them about the biblical view of, of sexuality, but we've also talked to them about the neurological. When you are with a girl, and if you have sexual relationships, God has created you in such a way that you're bonding for permanency. And this is not, you know, a theory. It's what we experience, yeah. right? So, you know, when you look in the Old Testament, they had so many wives, you know, some guys had, you know, so many wives. I'm like, dude, I don't even know how you do that. <laughs> you know, how, I mean, from an emotional point of view and from a lot of other point of views, but from an emotional point of view, like, how can you, how can you have the intimacy like that? And then I'm going to do it with somebody else. And I'm going to, you know, what I mean? it's just like, wow, it just, it gets beyond your mental capacity to even figure it out. So here's where Dunbar lands. And this is where we land today. Dunbar said all these numbers, 1,500 acquaintances, 150 friends, this, that, and the other. But then he finally comes down to that we can only have a capacity of three to five of these, including your spouse if you're married. So now, watch this. It gets even crazier. So watch this. Um, I'm going to introduce a word called dyad. Anybody know what you know what this is, dyad? It's kind of a new word. Um, triad would be three people. Dyad would mean a one unique relationship. Okay? So you have two, two people and uh, you have just one dyad. Okay? You're tracking? Just, there's, there's only one possible deal here, right? So I actually have a little diagram for you. So when you have, this is uh, two people and then you have one particular dyad, okay? If I have three people, how many dyads are possible? No? Three people. Yeah. You thought it was a trick question, didn't you? <laughs> All right. So I've got three people. That's a person. And then, so i got three, okay? Watch this. What happens when I add four? How many dyads do I have? Now you're afraid to answer. See, this is what happens in a group. I'm not answering. <laughs> what? Six. Six. Looks like that, right? All right. So already, watch this. If you buy into the way that we're wired, we have a capacity for not just relationships. Six. You can have four relationships and you know four people and six relationships. Not a big deal. But not like not like this. At least if you buy into the neurological science, it's like, hey, there's a capacity of how much we can have, right? So at four, if it's, if it's three to five, at four people, we're already past that. Now, does that mean four people are wrong? No, it's not. You just have to know what a screwdriver can do and what it can't do. 
That's all, that's all it's about. So the, again, we're, we have 35 groups in our church. We like groups. So it's not, ant, groups are horrible, right? Nothing like that. It's just what to expect. All right, so what fascinated me is that when I considered Jesus and his disciples, and here's, here's the formula. So the formula, so for example, Thank you. Yeah. 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 The formula. This is in the book of Ephesians, if you haven't seen It's in the seventh chapter, which you haven't seen yet. So it, it seems pretty complicated, but watch. It's how do you find out the uniqueness of like, okay, I got so many marbles and how many of them are unique? This is the formula. So you take the number times the number minus one over two. So in the case of four, four times four minus one over two, or four times three which over two, which is 12 over two, right? Just like that. Aren't Just you? Like that. Yeah. And aren't you glad you, when your brains were tired, you took this session? So this is where we get Jesus's 13 people. There were 78 possible unique relationships with Jesus and his 12 disciples. Now, what kind of intimacy can you have with 78 people? Isn't that fascinating? So when we think about in a group, you don't think about, so, you know, you know, we think, okay, here's Jesus and he's got, you know, 12 relationships, but you don't think about this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. So watch. When these two are out of sorts, it affects you in a group, right? We're talking about families. When mom and dad are out of sorts, you don't think it affects the children? So we're so interconnected that it's, it's, it's crazy. So I, I think it's uh, important. All right, watch this. Let's take it to our culture around us. So Jesus prays this prayer. Father, I pray that they will be one, right? Now, a lot of times we look at that and we think, oh, what he's talking about is general unity. That what we're doing right now, churches, leaders, pastors from all over, you know, one, we use the word unity when we look at that verse, okay? So I'm going to do a little exercise with you. So if you got a piece of paper, something you can write with, if you don't, raise your hand, we'll get you one uh, somehow. But yeah. No, 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 scratch paper, scratch paper. I mean, we're going to draw, we're in a little art class, okay? We're going to have kind of fun, we'll do a little art class here. Okay, so let me let me do uh, let me do a little exercise. I'm gonna like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. All right. So from here over, you're a team. Okay, you're a group. From here over, you're a team. Here over, you're a team. Here over, you're a team. Uh, I'm gonna go you three and you three. That'd be easier to see. And then you uh, you four guys right there. Uh, red shirt to blue shirt. You four and blue shirt to the end. You four. Okay. Everybody get, got a paper? All right. All right. I'm going to give you 60 seconds, okay, to draw a picture. And I'm going to tell you what to draw, okay? 60 seconds to draw. Oh, but I want, oh yeah. I want to make sure that you are, are everybody ready? 60 seconds to draw your best version of a tiger. Ready? Go. I want to give you some intense music. Five seconds. And time's up. Wouldn't you love to think, uh, you know, like, what's the class next to us thinking? What are they doing in there? 
All right. Now here's all right. Here's here's what I want you to do. Within your team, okay. Within your team, let me look at it. What is that? I'm not no, sure. kidding. <laughs> Ooh, not bad, man. Yeah. All right. Within your team, I want you to pick the best picture. Okay. The best picture within your team. So go ahead and interact. All right. You guys got a winner? All right. Here's what I want you. Who's the winner here? Todd. Okay, Todd. All right. Here's what I want you to do. If I'm Todd, the winner holds up their picture so the rest of the group can see it. All right. And you have, yeah, appreciate it, yes. <laughs> Bow down to the one, yeah. And so you have 60 seconds now to copy the winner, okay? And we're done, all right. All right, so let me ask you this question. Was your second picture better than your first one? Yes, all right. Was the second one easier than the first one to draw? Most people say yes. Here's why. Because you had a model, right? So when Jesus said, Father, I pray that they will be one. Okay? Remember the intimate, our image. That, the, that John 1.18, that he's in the bosom of the Father. Right? He said, I pray that they'll be one just as. Just as. Now, if you thought that that verse meant just general unity, then that's what you think Jesus and the Father were. Casual. Definitely not casual. Definitely not casual. So Jesus, he began to display this, right? And so my prayer is not for them alone. This is the most fascinating prayer because I pray for those who will believe in me through the message. That's us. He could have prayed, man, I pray there'll be great Bible scholars. Nothing wrong with Bible, Bible study, right? I pray there'll be great evangelists. I pray there'll be prayer wars. He could have prayed all that. But he said, no, I'm going to pray that they begin to live in the original design I designed them for. Relational intimacy. I pray that they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So Jesus had the 12, he had the three, and he, and he had John. So let me just take a second and look at John for a minute. John, as far as we know historically, was the only one wasn't murdered, right? Martyred. John is the one in the Gospels. His, gospels are, his, his gospel is distinctive, right? He's the one that gives internal and eternal. He's the living bread. He is the, he is the bread of life. He is the way, the way, the truth, and life. He's the resurrection. All that's in John. And then John gives this, this uh, description of himself. I'm the one that he loved, right? Jesus loved. You mean Jesus didn't love the other ones? No. He loved them in a distinctive way. And here's one of the most fascinating things. When G all the dis disciples were scattered, but only John came back at the cross. John should have given the care of his mom to his half-brothers, culturally. But he looked at John and said, take care of my mom the rest of your life. Take care of my mom. Now, who says that? I say, your best friend says that, right? Now, watch this. At the Last Supper, Jesus, as recorded in the book of John, Jesus reveals he's going to be betrayed. Now, Peter, the one that took out the sword and swiped and outspoken, bold, right? Uh, he turns to John and says to John, 
Hey, ask him who he said, who he means. Some people are like, oh, that's just because John was sitting next to him. Oh, get a brain. Come on. <laughs> it's deeper than that, right? That even all the disciples knew that John and Jesus had this soul. So, so then you think, okay, well, that was Jesus. Is it possible? So then you look at David and Jonathan. They became one in spirit. So watch this. I pray that they will all be or become one with somebody, with somebody. Consider the cultural impact of what we're talking about, okay? In a group-centric church, there's sometimes where there's nowhere to share our brokenness, especially, especially with more than half the population being introverts. I propose to you that the church culture is made more for extroverts than it is for introverts, speaking from one, speaking as one. It's more left brain more than it is for right brain, speaking as a right brain artist, see? So it's like education sometimes, cookie cutter. We have a very artistic son, and he's, man, he's an amazing artist and this, that, and the other. But I'm telling you, that, that education system, then, uh, you know, hey, you got to get the test in on time and blah, 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 right? And so it's, it's an adjustment. All right. So let me give you some riveting statistics, all right? <laughs> Here's some riveting statistics. In 2016, the United States Surgeon General said that the greatest risk to human health was not cancer or heart disease, loneliness. So governments now are, are creating official government positions called Minister of Loneliness. The UK, Japan, India. My wife Carrie grew up in Japan. Her, she was an MK. Uh, in October of, that would have been 2021, if you added up all of the COVID deaths in Japan alone, in the month alone of October 2021, there were more suicides in that one single month than all COVID deaths in Japan added up to, to that date. And most of them were in their 20s and 30s. The number of, so uh, Prime Minister of uh, uh, Theresa May said, far too many people, for, for far too many people, loneliness is the sad reality of modern life. I want to confront this challenge for our society and for us to take action to address the loneliness endured by the elderly, the caregivers, by those who have lost loved ones, people who have no one to talk to or share their thoughts with or experience. In UK, over 9 million people often or always, often or always feel lonely. This is becoming more true with professionals, not just the elderly, but professionals. Same thing in India, same thing in UK. So when you look at uh, some of these social statistics, watch this. Over, I read an article that said over 50%, there's a psychology today, over 50% of Americans have not formed a best friend in the last five years. Think about it. And the last thing that these people need is more information from the church. Pardon the language, they need a freaking friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Let me cut this recorder off yeah, before I, you got it. <laughs> All right. I was going to share this with my church. 
sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Over 50% of Americans, not nine, one statistic is over at 93% of American men have no best friend. No best friend. I'm, you know, an hour south of Tampa. I was just reading on my phone, Tom Brady, he's hired a divorce lawyer. And so I, I have to question, because there's a guy in our church that's, uh, you know, professional baseball player and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes the higher you go, the more lonely it gets. Who did Tom have to say, dude, I think I'm losing it? To Gronk? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but we're, we're seeing that this, we're seeing James, the reverse of James 5.16 lived out. That there's, no, there's a break in our, our souls as a culture. And it's not just a relationship. Listen, I, I love friendly churches, but people don't need another friendly church. They don't need just a casual Hey, how you doing? Where are you from? That's why I asked so many, hey, where are you from? We had a casual, I wanted to point out, we had a casual conversation. But don't mistake it for a real a Jesus-John relationship. Uh, there's the suicide um, uh, notice. There were, listen, look at that number. In one month alone, 2,153 suicides in Japan. And most of them are in their 20s and 30s. Since September 11, 2001, 7,000 service members died during military operations. Suicide is over four times that. I mean, what's wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. There's no, yeah, there's no God and there's no this. One of, one of, I'm a youth pastor. One of my students said the other day that almost every person she knows has attempted suicide. Wow, think about that. Yeah. The others are all meds. Yeah. Seriously, so they're medicating these kids. So, um, a few months ago, I was at Fort Bragg. They invited me to talk about this issue. You know why? Because suicide of soldiers is off the chart. When they re-enter, they've been in the action. They've been in living an intense life. They come back, live at the end of a cul-de-sac, and go to Michael's Craft Store with their wife and try to piece it together. And one of them, one of the stories, it's amazing. I was reading this book, trying to learn more and more about it. And somebody really pointed out a fascinating difference between World War II vets and the vets that are coming off the field right now. When, when soldiers left the, the battlefield in World War II, they often, it took them a long time to get to a shore, to get on a big boat, and a real long time to get back to the States. During that time, they downloaded. They were able to share stories. They were able to share about their, their friends who got killed or wounded. Now you can get back from Iraq to the States in less than 18 hours. So there's no download. All of a sudden you're just implanted right in, into the, the whole mix of things. All right. All right. So let me, let's do, I want to do another exercise. It's going to bring it home. You see how important this is, right? Yes. This is not just. This is not just, hey, let's find a new method. What we're trying to do at Small Circle is say, hey, we applaud groups, we applaud microgroups, big groups, Bible groups, all that. Absolutely. But what we have found is that if you can get to a table for two, this is what we'll talk about in our other sessions. 
I, there's a threefold formula, I think, if you can have formulas with the relationships. Number one, you need enough time. You can't rush it. So our, when you take our main tool and walk through it, if you walk through it the way we recommend, it's going to take you at least a year and two months, intentionally. Intentionally. Because relationship is just... So my experience has been observation of discipling uh, guys over the years and seeing it you know, across the world, is that something happens at the six-month mark. I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but I, I'm, I'm okay to see it. Something happens at the six-month mark. And so the tools that we have are designed to chisel down what I call the wall of Adam. And by the way, I'm comfortable in talking about our tools. We, we don't charge for our tools. Uh, gosh, about seven, eight years ago, I had a wrestling match with God, and money came into it. Something was wrong between God and I. Me and God and I, man, what is it? And it was I was charging for these tools, and there's nothing wrong with charging for tools. But for me, God wanted to do something different. And I really got a burden for churches that in America there are 150 people or less. I really got a because we were that as a church plant. We couldn't even afford you know curriculum for our kids. So compassion for that. But then God had a global plan because we probably pour out a quarter of a million dollars easily every six months to print and do translations, et cetera. We're in 100, over 100 countries in the world. And what I found out is I thought this was an American phenomenon. It isn't. So I was training in the Middle East. In a training like this, it was an all-day training. Throughout the day, six different men came up to me in six different times and said, you know, Steve, Middle Eastern men are not going to do this. There's a protection that we have, and there's a protection in every culture. I don't care if it's Jamaica or Syria or France or whatever, because we're all humans with that human nature. And so we, we say, hey, these tools, you can download PDFs. We have books. We sell them at cost. We don't care. But they're download PDFs, and we have a mobile app that is so much better than the printed stuff. So we'll cover that in one of our sessions as well. So I want to do this exercise with you. Um, I'm going to uh, have your same groups. Um, I'm going to do a little smaller groups because you need that. So U4, U3, U4, U3, 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 U3. Okay, I know that's quick. You three, you three, you three, you two guys. And Carrie, you jump in. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I need just one person to, in, in your team to have a piece of paper and, a, and a, uh, uh, something to write with. Okay, so ever who has the paper in your group, you're the writer. Okay, you're the writer. Here's what I want you to do. For those that are writing, I want you to draw four vertical lines just like that so that you're creating three different columns. Okay, so four lines like that, three different columns. At the top of the first column, I want you to do big circle, second column, mid-sized circle, small circle. Okay, everybody done with that? Excellent. Now, as a team, you're going to make your decisions for, for the answers to the questions I'm going to ask. I'm going to give you a series of conversations. And the question is, in which of these circles will you feel comfortable having this conversation, okay? The big circle represents, let's say, a lobby in a typical church Sunday morning service. Hey, how's it going, Bob? That conversation, okay? And you don't know Bob all that well, by the way. And his, his name probably was Roger, but you called him Bob or whatever. His dog's name is Bob. Made it worse. 
This is a group of 10 to 12 people. You've been in this group three to four months. Okay? Meets every week. This is a longtime trusted friend. This is your Jonathan. Okay? Church lobby, uh, 10 to 12 people in a group, three to four months you've been in it. Long-term trusted friend. Okay? I'm going to give you a series of conversations. You guys determine, hey, I'd be comfortable having that conversation in which environment? Only one check, so one check uh, per deal. So let me give you an example. Hey, this, this is a new shirt. So I see somebody, hey, I like shirt. Oh, thanks, it's new. I'd feel comfortable having that in the old church lobby on a Sunday morning. If I'm comfortable here, obviously I'm here, so I'm not putting checks here. Everybody follow? Okay. So let's try one out and see. Now, remember, decide as a team. I uh, want to see if I can create some arguments going on. <laughs> All right. So... Dude, I thought you were going to like pray before oh, we get <laughs> Not that tight, bro. <laughs> By the way, this is my friend Antoine and his, and his wife Pam. We met last year. Uh, they, just, they were in Brooklyn. At, no, uh, were you Bronx. in Brooklyn? Bronx at the, at the time. Moved to Texas now. And, um, and I want you to tell a little bit, maybe if you're comfortable. Hey, here's what's happened since last year. As you said, oh, you're sure. starting to have some table for two conversations. Yep. So... At any rate, we pay Antoine $10 to come to all our sessions. <laughs> it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. All right. All right, let's try one out, okay? Here's the conversation. We're going to move quickly through a list of these, all right? Um, I'm getting a new job next week. How's your week going? Fantastic. I've been out of work for about three or four uh, weeks, kind of you know, worried about that. But, man, on Monday morning, next week, starting to have a new job. Where would you feel comfortable having that? Sunday morning lobby with, with Bob slash Roger. Uh, in a group of 10 to 12 people, you've been there, are only with a trusted friend. Only one check. Decide as a group where you're going to have that. All right. All right, because we're going to move quickly. Here's the next one. Okay, the next one is the exact opposite. How's your week? Oh, man, freaked out. I think I'm going to lose my job. Been a lot of tension between me and the boss. And, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. If I lose my job, I'm laying awake at night. Because uh, I think when I walk in Monday morning, I'm getting the pink slip. Where are you having that conversation? All right, here's the next one. Every single time I have a conversation with my spouse about anything important, it ends horribly. We're in big trouble. We can't talk about anything without ending in a big fight. All right. All right, let me keep moving. Make your decisions. Here's the next one. Um, so this past weekend, I, was, uh, I borrowed my teenager's car, and in the glove compartment, I found a pretty good stock of illegal drugs. Where are you having that conversation? Here's the next one. I am addicted to pornography. I'm addicted to pornography. Where are you having that conversation? Okay, here's the final one. Uh, my in-laws are coming into town uh, this coming weekend. I haven't spoken to them in 10 years because a decade ago we had a major blowout, big argument, and uh, I'm thinking about getting a hotel out of town this weekend. We're going to have that conversation. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. We got seven minutes, all right? We got seven minutes. I'm just going to point to your group. Tell me the number of checks that you have in this column. Okay, we'll start here. Three and two. So just this final column. 
You have three? The final call. Yeah, three. Okay, good. How many in the final? Four. Good. Antoine? Three. Three. Okay, good. Three. Three. Keep it going. Three. Three. Five. Five. Interesting. Three. Good. Back row? Four. Four. Yes. Two. Two. Interesting. All right. Get up. No, <laughs> Two. All right. Yes. Four. Yes. Five. Now, watch this, okay? This is why I love this exercise. This is your church. You got some people that it was even a stretch to do too. Yeah, I talk about that in a group, right? There are other people like, I can't believe you talked about that in a group, right? I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm more of the four or five range, right? Okay, watch. You told me, you have that notebook I can borrow? Yes. We, would you agree that our church operates mainly in a two-circle operating system, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying organically. There's always a Yoda in your church that does it organically, right? But, et cetera. So, but in a two-circle operating system, what do you call these? You call them secrets. You call them secrets. And you know what the enemy does with secrets? He makes you feel like you're the only one. And you might as well just sit down and you're out of the game. You're out of the game. This is critical. Not only to that, but I believe that Jesus prayed for this he said, now, Father, I'm praying there'll be one, just as you and I, and I pray there'll be in us. And then you remember what he said? So that the world will believe. The world will believe. This is not just for the church, it's the world around us. Because if they only just seeing us be casual, it doesn't mean anything to them. Does that make sense? So, I don't know if you want to share a little bit uh, what's going on, what's happening. You guys have done a little table for two. Right when we came back. Oh, okay. Yeah, right when we came back after the class, um, I even shared this with a, 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 when we were in New York, a leadership group at the time, uh, because, um, and our church is big on, you know, groups and, and, and the like, um, but we kind of lost that. Um, I think my wife has done an outstanding job with it, even more so than me, but um, we just started talking about having table for two. We didn't even do much of it. We started doing the curriculum, mm. but it was more just that first the idea mm. of getting together um, intimately, one on one, for prayer, for talking, um, and it 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 definitely met the need. And I've been trying to keep that going because mm. what you like what he said about the whole thing with with the with the secrets. Because our church, we tend to. We tend to focus on doing more fun stuff with our groups, mm-hmm. like do more group stuff. And we'll do more group stuff. We'll add more to the schedule. And then we feel like we're not doing well because we're not doing enough group stuff. Um, you know, small groups. We mm-hmm. don't have we're not close. We're still That's why we're not close. We're not you know, close. da da da, da. Mm-hmm. And, um, But I realized I needed it, and I realized that that's what we need. And even with, with people becoming Christians, um, I sat down with somebody, and I said, man, it's, I'm going to make sure that it's, as we get together, you'll get together with other people, but me and him coming into the church will be just a table for two. And that really helped them. I know, Pam, you have the same. Yes. Mm. So with the women, um, we we did something called, um, we understood the idea that, and you could do the test, right? 
So four of you go out to eat and you'll have a conversation. And then you get home, one of them will almost always call you. <laughs> and say, I didn't want to say, say this that. in the When you mention this and that and this yes. and that, I want to say, time. and then yes. there's full disclosure. Mm -hmm. yeah. It kept happening. And I was I was hearing Steve in the back of my head. Like, Yo, this is really real. And so what we did was every month we changed partners. So we took all the women and we paired each other up mm -hmm. and we call them prayer partners mm -hmm. and so you would call that person talk to that person spend time with that person eat at each other's house all of a sudden the women stop saying we don't feel close mm -hmm. and then the next month we change it and they were excited they were like oh who am i get to know this month mm -hmm. and little by little people stop saying oh we don't feel close we don't spend time and then they were like no don't plan any activities we have table for two because that was when they went to do something fun together. They went to hang. And in that time, it, I called it an emotional dump. Right. You had more and more emotional dumps. And people got scriptures and everything later. But in that time, they felt like her, like he said, known. She knows me. She knows my parents, my yep. background. My, that would have never happened in the world. Beautiful. Right. Yeah, beautiful. So one of the things that we say, too, as people mature, we knock off the last letter. So we knock off the last letter. So when you come to church, why don't you come to see somebody? When you get in your group, why don't you come to hear somebody? And eventually we want you to grow to the point that you came to know somebody. Otherwise, it's just consumeristic. These are consumeristic. Yeah, very true. Yep. Hey, let me, uh, let me play a, a two-minute animation for you to kind of sum it all up. Our, our next sessions will be tomorrow will be, how do we do this? Because I think that the tools have to be specified to this. How do we get beyond information transfer? Not just to have a book. If you looked at our books, thumb through them like, ah, oh, it looks kind of, but in our mobile app, we are championing everyday people and helping them to get to this circle. Sometimes you'll look at a group curriculum and say, hey, we'll just use it for this. It's got to be designed. It's got to be, as you know, we're talking about this these two days, intentional. It's got to be very intentional on how to get here, right? What's Let me, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know, yeah. Each of us begins as one. One person, one soul, with one life to live. Right away we begin adding, family and experiences added. We add hobbies and responsibilities. Over time, the pace increases. We fill up our lives, adding more on top of more on top of more. But beneath it all, we are still one. One person and one soul. An identity deeper than everything accumulating around us. The question is, do we know ourselves this way? And even more, does anyone else? For most of us, the answer is no. Even with good friends, we still hold back parts of ourselves. Church usually isn't any different. If we attend on Sunday, we can be seen. In groups, we might be heard. But where can we be known? What we need is a smaller circle. One person plus one person, just two, meeting to exchange patient questions and honest answers, 
to listen and voice what's true, maybe for the first time. To learn about God in a way that's deeply personalized. To show up time after time after time, and together, slowly, to be changed. So, in a world consumed by endless adding, in a church focused on growth and groups, what if each one of us were to invest in one? Let me pray for you. Father, so great, so grateful for the incredible, genius way that you've made us. Not just to be relational, but to be intimately relational. And for that reason, it's such a treasure, it's limited. How many people we can have that with. And yet sometimes, God, we're scared to death of it because of our nature. So we just pray for breakthroughs, God, in our minds, our hearts, and our actions. And pray that as leaders, we will equip people to live out the, the way that you've designed them to live and to relate in a deeper way, in a more meaningful way, in an honest way and have emotional dumps because then we'll be healed. Thank you, Father, for being so faithful and creating us in a way that we can actually achieve this. We just have to be, well, relational and intentional. So God, thank you for this session. We pray you'll embed in us the things that you want us to hear. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our uh, smallcircle.com, if you're interested in more, there's a bunch of free films on there. It's uh, uh, resourceful for you. Thank you guys for coming. Well, thank you so much for listening to that episode. I hope that you got a lot out of it. Next up, we've got Steve from Small Circle giving another track session about creating disciple-making cultures. So that's going to be great. If you haven't already, I would love for you to hit subscribe and be a part of the Disciple Makers podcast family. So go ahead and do that. No pressure. I'll just sit here. I'll just wait. Okay, thanks for doing that. Hey, anyways, have a great day and be blessed. Be blessed.